The magic of that session was, and this is why I bloody love coaching, is that it gave me thinking space. You're listening to the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. If you need to compete and win in the 21st century labor market as an employer of choice, this podcast is for you. Each week, we share leadership development, coaching, and culture development insights from leading experts who are developing world-class cultures in their own organizations. And now, here's your host, J.R. Flatter. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm J.R. Flatter. I'm your host of the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Lucas. Hello. And we have a very distinguished guest with us today, Ms. Lauren. I will let you introduce yourself. You could certainly do a lot better job about it. But before we do that, I just want to remind everybody who our audience is and, and what we're talking about. So we're talking to any leaders of a complex organization that are trying to c- create and sustain a coaching culture. At Two Roads Leadership, we strongly believe coaching and a coaching culture are the, the future. They're how you compete and succeed in the 21st century labor market. And so culture development, culture, leadership development, leadership, coaching, coach accreditation, work family self-balance, as you're, you're uh, <laughs> working through right now, and you and I always are. So I'll pass the floor to you, Lauren, and Tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Thank you. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the podcast. So there's three pillars to who I am and what I do. So first and foremost, I'm a mum to three beautiful, <laughs> very young children. And that comes first for me at this stage in life. Uh, the second pillar to what I do is actually help founders of startups. So um, very much This came off the back of um, having a successful sales career in big organisations, big Australian technology organisation, big American best practice organisation, and really seeing the exponential growth in in the startup world. And the third pillar is around coaching. So specifically purpose-driven coaching and sales coaching. And so, yeah, I've been doing that for the... Oh, I've been, I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a six-month-old, but my work took a pivot about 18 months, maybe two years ago. And certainly I've been very fulfilled uh, with what I'm pursuing. Great. Yeah. So Lucas and I work with transitioning leaders all the time, and a lot of them might be going into startups. We help them explore, you know, what does that look like for you and how does it fit into your principles? I love to hear purpose-driven. That's important to these transitioning leaders. So talk to us a little bit. If, if I'm thinking about starting a company and I'm transitioning into that entrepreneurial space, what are some things I need to know? Well, first and foremost, JR, you've got to have self-awareness, right? You need to know exactly who you are and what your strengths are. So starting a business is tough. I mean, owning and operating any business is tough, but... I saw something on LinkedIn the other day about raising capital and it was it it had a it was visual, it was a visual thing, but it had I think 20 no's 
and then mm. one yes, and then like <laughs> another 10 no's and then one more yes, and then the yeses become more and more frequent. But you need to know exactly who you are and what you bring to the table before mm. you're going to go ahead and, and do something and commit to something and make it something great. So that's mm. where I would, would start. So, yeah, I, I just jumped from um, my coaching session with my coach into this just an hour ago. And I was that self-awareness resonates because I went into the session thinking like, oh, I'm not going to have a lot to share. And then she asked like three questions and I was like already like already like <laughs> okay, yeah. I've, I've kind of like um, become more, more vulnerable than I thought it was going to be. So. What are some of those self-awareness pieces for like people in that startup environment? What are they kind of needing to find out about themselves? Yeah, it's a good question. I almost want to ask the coach in me wants to say, what did you discover about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think every single founder that I speak to says this is nothing like I could have imagined. So the journey in which to sort of start and launch a business is just so different. It often costs more money. It often costs more time, um, more resources, more bandwidth. And so things around resilience, your strengths. So I say your strengths because if your um, key strengths lie in relationship building and influencing, then you're going to need to pull people in around you that are strong on the strategic side or the executing side, right? And I'm talking um, Gallup language there around there's a Clifton Strengths Assessment that mm. you can do that actually um, puts your, you do this assessment. You can't cheat the assessment because it times your responses and um, asks you the same thing in a number of different ways but it actually produces what your top five strengths are, but importantly puts them into uh, those key categories of strategic relationship building, influencing and executing. I see time and time again, if you think about what it takes to sort of launch a startup, right, that's courage. There's a lot of courage to pivot from what you're doing or transition from what you're doing Perhaps you've always been an entrepreneur, but perhaps you've just got this idea that you're relentlessly passionate about. You really need to, to understand what you're, what you're going to be putting to the side, whether it's, mm -hmm. it's family or it is that, that, that consistent income and really visualize what that life is going to look like because there's no overnight success story. You know, you look at the Amazons of the world and Twitter and whatever, that Uber, none of them are overnight. So it, it really takes commitment. And so that's why I say starting with the self-awareness piece is, is key because you, you need to know what, what you're up against. And sometimes we're our own worst enemy as well. And you need to silence those negative internal thoughts to to get you through a key, key part of your life for success. So it's obvious to me and probably everyone who's listening to you that you're a very successful leader, coach, mom, wife, entrepreneur, 
How do you do all that? How do you make all that happen? Thank you. That's such a kind thing to hear someone say when sometimes I really don't feel that way. <laughs> I've, I've reflected on this recently and I'm really clear in what I'm saying yes to and what I'm saying no to. Mm. Uh, a very clever coach actually coached me through a, a pretty big moment and used the phrase, by saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? And so that that certainly resonated. I practice what I preach, so I, I've done a lot of discovery and figuring out what my purpose is. My purpose in life is to enable and energise people. So if I'm enabling my kids and I'm energising my kids, I'm fulfilling my purpose. If I'm enabling a founder and energising a founder because they're feeling low on themselves, I'm fulfilling my purpose. If I'm coaching someone and I'm enabling them and I'm giving them energy in that dedicated session, I'm fulfilling my purpose. So I'm really crystal clear on what my purpose is and why I get out of bed each day and why I do what I do. The, the other thing is what I do all is actually all interrelated. So I, I've joked around early on in the coaching piece, I'm a better mum because I've got the fundamentals of coaching. I'm taming my advice monster, that's Michael Bungay-Stania, all the time with my kids and it's bloody hard, but I'm taking on the <laughs> fundamentals of coaching by saying, what would you have done differently? Like, how can we make this situation better? How can we move forward, kids, when it's an absolute wasn't? <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that the other aspect is I've always enjoyed business. I've always been, that's like early on in my career, We've got the Australian Financial Review here. I've always enjoyed reading it. I love, I love the business gossip. Like, oh, that executive went from there to there, but you know. So by me stimulating that part of me and my interest fills my cup, which means I'm a better mum. Mm. And I love being a mum. So when I'm able to spend, and I'm I'm pretty strict Mondays and Thursdays no work or nothing creeps in on those days. They're the undivided mum days. So I'm, I'm really quite pedantic. It's an exception if, if that does overlap. But by me pursuing the work with startups, the, you know, my own business, coaching, stimulates me, fills my cup, so it makes me a better mum and a better wife as well. Yeah, and those sound like some pretty... Um you know, you've got your Monday and Thursday rule and separating time for your family and everything. Did those kinds of revelations or, you know, those kinds of rules and boundaries, did you have those in place always or how did you come upon those yourself? Great question. Well, I work with an amazing coach, right, and an amazing mentor. So, no, I haven't always had those boundaries. I think I... I identify as a deep thinker and so when I became a mom and, you know, sort of moving through the transition of, of having children, I would reflect on, you know what, if I cram my pillars, so I go back to my pillars, right? So if I, if I cram these all three into like a, a condensed time in the day, it doesn't work. You guys heard of as an Australian um, 
psychologist, Dr. Adam Fraser. He's, I think he's trademarked his work around the third space. And so that's about transitioning in your day. And it resonates for my husband, of course, because he's, you know, goes to work, has a mega day at work, and then he needs his third space before he <laughs> comes home to then get into like dad mode, for example. So I notice, to answer your question, Lucas, no, I've definitely not always been so strict in our house. We think routine is really important and predictability for children is really important as well. I think for adults as well to some degree. Yeah, we just notice that if we can have like structure and routine, in particular to me being the primary carer of the, of the kids, then that's going to help them thrive a little bit more. So, yeah, it was reflection on them and what they needed. And just to close the loop on why I brought up the third space was that uh, I didn't have enough third space if I was cramming everything into my whole week. So I was privy to that coaching session. We call it the magic of coaching. So could you talk us through that? Because it was just an amazing event for me. But it was very raw and very real, right? There was nothing scripted about it, no preconceived notions. So talk us through that. Yeah, sure. But yeah, thank you. And it's funny because the issue landed in my lap the night before the session. So I set intent for what I was going to, you know, speak about in the session. And I couldn't believe that the night before it just, it just landed in my lap and I said, gosh, I've got to talk through this. For me, it was, yeah, it was deciding an amazing opportunity, landed in my lap and, you know, it had the word CEO in it and full equity and all these sexy terms, you know, (laughs) startup world. And, you know, JR, because I, I had conducted a lot of work in my purpose and that self-awareness of my strengths, the house of leadership, if you will, right? First of all, the magic of that session was, and this is why I bloody love coaching, is that it gave me thinking space. I feel like my mind is a hundred miles an hour. And like most mums, you know, you, you're caring for like three tiny humans. I'm I'm getting out the door and I'm not just deciding what the hell I'm going to wear. I'm deciding what three people are going to wear. You know, God forbid that the weather's going to turn. I've always, you're just thinking constantly, like the mind doesn't switch off. And that's for me as a mum. Imagine executives, imagine leaders, imagine, you know, world leaders. The the Mm. mind is full. So by carving out that time to think was powerful in itself. And to have someone there that I trusted, that I could say, you said it was raw. I mean, I trusted that person, which is why it was raw and I was able to be authentic, my authentic self. But to get that all out in the open was one thing. But secondly, the magic of coaching is that my coach in that moment didn't tell me what to do. They didn't sit there and say, Lauren, it's really obvious to me you should not be taking this position. (laughs) I wonder if that had been the approach, how that would have resonated. 
I'm be willing to bet a lot that it wouldn't have resonated the same way that I came up with the answers within me. Mm. That's powerful. That's that's the magic of coaching and and that was the magic of that session. Yeah, and you go back to the idea of self-awareness. You know who you are. You're grappling with this challenge. And through the magic of coaching, through the knowledge, skills, abilities, and experiences of your coach, helped you rediscover that right there. And it was so obvious to you. I mean, I'm sure your coach was thinking, well, it's obvious that but never saying that out loud because yes. that's when the doors close. Well, just to elaborate, it's also funny, the ego, and I'm not sure. I am mean, right? So I know how I operate. So I can't speak for everyone. But in that moment, my my ego mm. definitely, I was battling with, these are my three pillars. This is who I am. But my gosh, I'm so flattered by this opportunity and I wonder if that's what I was going through then, mm. do others constantly battle with their ego as well? And whether it's their ego being stroked or their ego being cut, like it, I think that's a powerful reflection about that session as well. I guess I want to talk about that, um, that mentorship versus coaching and you know especially from if you're the one coaching somebody else that desire to give somebody advice or tell them what the problem is or you know just put your experience on their experience um from that perspective have you had challenges like when you're coaching other people and how do you kind of overcome that yeah i have definitely Hopefully they're quiet challenges and that the people <laughs> on the other end don't feel them. So what I've found is that I think it's really impactful to coach people that are really different from you so you're not bringing in bias. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm coaching, for example, if I'm coaching a mom of three children who's an aspiring coach, I have to squash all of the the oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're feeling. I know exactly what you, you – I'm working harder. I'm expelling more energy to suppress those thoughts. I actually find something that I feel strongly about is have relentless curiosity. So just mm. stay curious all the time in, in coaching is really important. So I have a bit of internal dialogue. So first of all, I th- – think I'm a better coach when I'm coaching people completely different to me because I'm genuinely curious. Second of all, if I think I know what the person's going through because on paper they're similar to me, then I sort of give the uh, the internal voice in my head a coffee so that they turn around and say, stay curious, Lauren, do not assume that their three pillars or their house of leadership mm-hmm. is the same mm-hmm. as yours because it's most definitely not, but it's really hard, Lucas. <laughs> yeah. And as you say those things, stay curious. It sounds so superficial. Just like when we say we listen, you know, it sounds so superficial. Yeah, I'm curious and yeah, I know how to listen, but to really listen and to really stay intellectually curious uh, is challenging, intellectually challenging, right? Definitely. It's interesting that you say that. It's funny that you say it's superficial. It sounds superficial. 
I feel like the the term just sort of came it came to me from coaching. Mm-hmm. I feel like this whole staying curious thing was something that probably hadn't been practicing very consciously mm. right, right. prior to go on being on my coaching journey. So I imagine if that's my experience, I mean, JR, you've been a coach for a number of years. You've been in this world for so many years. But imagine how much opportunity is out there for people who have nothing to do with coaching or have had nothing mm-hmm, to do with mm-hmm. coaching that if there's some way to unlock the the curiosity within mm, them mm. It, perhaps you know the world will be a better place so talking about curiosity in terms of culture like we often we've had guests bring up you know vulnerability and other mm. traits of coaching but we haven't really talked about curiosity so do you think that helps facilitate a healthy culture and what does that look like in the workplace Yeah, it's funny because I was actually reflecting on this prior to the podcast, the the theme of the podcast, right, succeeding in a 21st century environment. And to answer your question, Lucas, I've been reflecting on the rate of change that's happened in the 21st century. Mm. So iPhone invented 2007. So 21st century is the better part of 22 years you think about how easy we access information these days and how much information is out there. So much. Like, I can't believe I carry a smart device in my pocket. I'm pretending because it's not in my pocket right now. But, <laughs> um, a smart device in my pocket and I can Google anything, anytime, anywhere. Like, it's scary how much information is out there. Now, don't even get me started on propaganda and what we're – anyway, that's different. <laughs> the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is that older leaders in our workforce, right, so, and, and also think about the 21st century is that uh, the people that were born in 2000 are entering the workforce now. So they've known no different to the change that we've seen or that people in their – 40s, 50s, and 60s have seen within business. The people that are older in the workforce, they were the subject matter experts. So people were learning about things through other people. If I wanted to buy a car, I was going to a car dealership to learn everything about a car. When I do that now, I've already made up my mind. I've Googled it. I've gone on YouTube. I've watched this. I've done that. Like, so the people prior to the 21st century, leaders prior to the 21st century were the subject matter experts. They were the ones who were teaching us things and were telling us about whether it be products or culture or any topic in business, there was nowhere else to look. So I actually think that if you think about the workforce today, there's probably a few people at the top that need to be curious. Mm. But it's not their fault. It's how they've been brought up in business. It's how they made it to the top. Again, no email when they were in their 20s and a salesperson. Mm. Like 
they had to know things. So they never had to be curious. They had to be the expert. But I think it's it's going to shift. So now that there's so much access to information, no one wants to be told and no one wants to listen to someone that's rubbish at taming their advice monster. Like no one can connect with that. So uh, I actually think naturally we are more curious beings and I, and I, and I believe that there is uh, a shift in, in the corporate world as well or in the business world because of what's happened in our macro environment. I'm grinning because we talk all the time about learning from everyone we meet. Right? That's one of the things we talk about all the time in our coach training. You've just taught me something. We're talking about a coaching culture, right? You and I and Lucas are trained coaches. You don't need to be a trained coach to have a coaching leadership style. And whenever I've explained that before, what does it mean to be a coaching leadership style? Well, you're interested in the growth of the individual that you're working with. And it's a long-term, it's a long game. It's not immediate. It takes time. It takes patience. But for the first time and forevermore, I'm going to now say you need to be curious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thanks for that. So lots gone on in your life in the last five years. Think five years ago, coach yourself for a second. What will you have coached Lauren on five years ago, knowing what you know now? What a question. One day up. Well, well, first of all, what would I've coached on? You're in service of the leader, right? So it would have been driven by me back then. <laughs> no, but if I reflect, people would meet me and go, oh, she's, she's confident, like she knows herself. But actually I'm going to say confidence because mm. I never would have thought what I'm doing now was possible. I never, you know, I looked up to people like, I still do, but Helen Wiseman, mm -hmm. Kylie Dare, these people that have portfolio careers and they've got, and that was so cool to me. But the leap from where I was as what would be described as an individual contributor in sales, in an organization, five days a week, where the only possibility was moving to the next organization for a 10% pay rise, working my way up. I literally thought that my career path was, do I just want to become a manager one day or do I want to sell a bigger territory? Like, do I want to get a bigger target and sell a more complex product? Those were the paths for me. And there were all these people in my life that I was like, gosh, they, had the, they went out there and they just started their own business. How did they even know that that was the right business to start? Or I'd say to myself, my gosh, I can't believe that that person sits on a number of boards and coaches, executives and does all It was so cool to me, but it was not in arm's length reach five mm. years ago. No, it was was miles away for me five years ago. So to answer your question, I, I, I'm here, I'm living, I'm breathing it now. I sometimes pinch myself that I'm here <laughs> and my friends can see I'm thriving and my friends say, Lauren, I can't believe you've got three kids and you, you're so happy in your work self. I said, yeah, it is. It's, it's pretty interesting. But it's the confidence. 
within me, obviously, I've been coached and you've actually just made, you've brought out self-awareness in me once again. If I've realized that once I backed myself and believed that I could do this, I've probably been manifesting this life that I'm leaving for a long time without the confidence to actually go out and do it and be it. Hmm. Yeah, that I've I've that was a great yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great question. It's <laughs> a really good question. My dad and I were talking about like doing things that kind of like expand the possibilities in your life. So, you know, getting a degree or something. And then but you're kind of saying that you can expand your opportunities, but coaching kind of, okay, here's all my opportunities. Coaching's telling me like, this is the one I actually want to go for. So that's really interesting. So you also said earlier, like that you're motivated by giving energy to other people. Where does that come from? Is that just one of your personality traits or? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I've, I've always been told well, you bring a lot of energy to the room. Oh, you know, someone I'm working with now that I worked with about four years ago, I remember in one meeting, she was like, gosh, energy, energy, energy. And I actually, to land on on that personal manifesto of what my purpose is, or my purpose is to enable and energize people, it was actually a peer environment. So it was facilitated by a coach, seven other peers happened to be women and we all helped each other really define each other's purpose. And I guess the consensus in that setting was that energy had to be in there somewhere. That's, yeah, it, it is who I am. I think it's in my DNA. And my my dad, actually, I'm I'm a clone of of him as well. And he's <laughs> been told that for uh, the better part of his life as well. So you and your husband have a really cool, I would, we talk a lot about work, family, self, right? And you and he have obviously had some discussions about what that means in your world. Talk to us. So one of the things we recommend when we're building the house of leadership with others is talk to your significant others. They have to be part of the dialogue. If you're espousing a vision and you haven't had those conversations with your life partners, you know, it's a work of fiction. So talk yeah. to us about how you work through all that and how you maintain that. Yeah, thanks, JR. It's, gosh, it's tough. It's been tough, but we're in a really good place. So my husband sort of owns, he's a managing director of a family business. It's a significant construction business and that's who he's been. So his father founded it 35 years ago. Mm. Um, he being the eldest of the two, they've all got their roles, but he is the, the managing director, right? So from the moment I've known my husband, this was nothing new. This was always part of him and his house of leadership. And it's interesting. He won't mind me saying this. We, in the beginning, was really tough. He wanted me to fit with the probably the traditional, what we would consider the traditional roles of him going out and working and having the pressure on his shoulders and, and me to be the homemaker. And that's the role my mum played with my dad. And my mum is very proud and she actually calls herself the CEO of domestic affairs. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to write think, that down. 
<laughs> yeah, it's great, right? And and my husband says, Stefano, he says, you, what she does, she does with perfection. Like she's the CEO of domestic affairs, but she owns it. <laughs> Trust me, she has complained, but the, for the most part, she has owned that role. And so that worked for, for my dad and my mum, that worked. And so when we first got together, I think his expectation was that, okay, when you have children, you'll, you'll also want to become the CEO of domestic affairs and own that. And there was friction early on because he realised that that wasn't what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. And we were not good or effective at solving that problem or saying, this is my house of leadership, this is your house of leadership. It was more like he said, this is what I've got in my plate, you just, you need to deal with it. So he could have done with some coaching culture back then. <laughs> but interestingly, I believe in serendipity as well because he certainly has been an, an incredible mindset shift in our house. And, I mean, I do tame my advice monster, but if anyone asks something that I say about women, mums in particular, that need buy-in from their husbands around their pursuits. So whether it's, I don't want to be the stay-at-home mum anymore, I want to get out there and work and I need your support, or I'm working full-time because you're telling me to, I don't want to do this, I want to cut back, they need their support. The key thing, my advice, is that the person who's asking the other person for their support needs to know exactly what they want and why so that they can have conviction mm. when they when they go to that other person. And that's why I buy into the House of Leadership, JR, is because it, it forces us to reflect and really think about what our House of Leadership is, what our purpose is, what our pillars are, whatever you want to call it, right? But when you know exactly what you want and who you are, you can have that conversation with your significant other. And that's certainly been my experience. And I'm not saying it's out of bounds for you to speak to your wife or your husband around, I don't know what I want and I'm trying to figure it out and whatever, but I dare say, they're, they're there for you, but get the external help, like get someone else that doesn't know you, that doesn't have bias and doesn't mm. have their own bias in the room as well because mm -hmm. that, you know, if my husband was to coach me through something, <laughs> he would try and be in service of me, but he'll have his biases creeping in thinking, well, I really don't want you to do anything. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important. And yeah, I think it's it's imperative to have the conversation with your significant other. And then it's a journey. So it's not, it's hasn't been easy in my house, like I've explained. But the resonance now, the fact that we're in a good space is that we've I've adopted the coaching culture in inside mm. our home. Mm. Really, I have. And secondly, I I'm living, breathing proof that I'm happy. So mm. when you're truly happy and you're fulfilling your purpose, then how can your significant other, like, they're going to support you versus you not being sure, having conviction on the path that you're on. 
So keeping an eye on the clock, and it's our tradition that Lucas gets the last question. So <laughs> over to you, sir. So personally, whenever I'm you know watching a movie or you know reading a new book or something, and I'm thinking. I'm always thinking about like what my dad's saying about coaching and what we're talking about on this podcast. Do you ever <laughs> kind of have that connection where you might be like watched a movie and you said, Oh, that's a really good coaching lesson or, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's a great, that's a really good question. Good, good way to bring it home. I'm actually always reflecting on that. Oh, I, we, I wish Lucas, I wish I could say, yeah, I watched the movie last night and actually they said this. <laughs> But the truth is, my mind is mush at the bottom. <laughs> it's because uh, you're watching Paw Patrol or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 ex- exactly. Look, I notice it all the time. I, I'm so aware these days of when a good question is asked and what that does to the other person receiving that question. I also notice when there's a missed coaching opportunity. Mm. So I also, I'm pretty aware of when someone might, yeah, not be able to tame their advice monster or just sort of can't help themselves. And I think, oh gosh, you should have asked a question. (laughs) I reflect on myself as well um, in interactions, you know, probably um, mostly in my sales interactions as well. I always think that I just could have asked like one or two more questions, you know, and that would have been, I reckon, a better outcome because the person's going to walk away remembering what they said Mm. more so than what the other person said. Mm. Yeah, good question. I'm going to email you. The next time I'm watching (laughs) Paw Patrol, I'm going to say, Lucas, they asked me. (laughs) It's there. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Amazing stuff. Thanks for your time. That was amazing. No, thank you. It was great. I was out of my comfort zone. I've never done a podcast before. (laughs) Neither have we.